What do you want? Screaming queens. Listen, I am two seconds away from calling the police. Screaming Queens Horror Podcast. What do you want? Screaming Queens Horror Podcast to your death. Something is trying to get inside my body, and you want to sleep with me. Better give me those shoes, they're mine. Give them back to me. Well, a, a boy's best friend is his mother. Hey, shouldn't you be folding towels somewhere, sniffing jock straps? It is time to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man. Rubs the lotion on its skin or else gets the hose again. What have you done to its eyes? I see no manhood between your legs. You're going to need death now. <laughs> the living dead. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Get away from her, you bitch. It was an asylum. And it was hell. 20 years of pure hell. The devil wins sometimes. What's that? Gods and monsters. Welcome to Screaming Queens, the horror podcast with the Queer Eye View. My name's Jonathan Larkin. And I'm Jonathan And I'm Martin Fennessy. <laughs> but I'm not the one. <laughs> it's just the two of us tonight. You're stuck with the two Jonathans uh, because we are the only two of the Screaming Queens podcasters that have seen the film that we're going to review tonight. I had the pleasure of seeing this film on the big screen in San Francisco. I've just come back from San Francisco for a two-week holiday. And if you think I sound like I've got, like, post-long-haul leggy, that's because I've got post-long-haul leggy. Um, I can't... I just can't go on holiday on a long-haul flight without getting a cold. But the only... The, the bonus is I've got the cold coming home this time. Mm-hmm. Usually I get the cold going out there, so I spend, like, the first three days of the holiday feeling like shit. So, um, this, that's why I sound so husky and, you might say, <laughs> sexier than usual. <clears throat> so last in San Francisco, I visited the wonderful Alamo Draft House that they've opened in the Mission. And I've been to an Alamo Draft House before in Austin, Texas. Have you ever been to one? No, no. No. It's like a check. I think it's only in a few, like, four or five different places in the States. Yeah. Texas and California mainly. It's like a uh, South... West thing is it? I think it might be, yeah. yeah. But it's brilliant because you sort of get very plush surroundings. Mm. The, the emphasis is on comfort in the cinema, and they bring food to your table and stuff. But that's good. Can't it, argue with that. It's brilliant, and the thing is as well, because like I'm one of them people who's got a bit of a phobia for eating for people eating around me in cinemas, especially noisy yeah. rappers and all that sort of stuff. But what they do is they, they time it really well, so they come and take your order while the trailers are on. Mm. No, they don't. They come and take your order before the trailers are on. Yeah. So then your foods are generally ready before the film. And they sort of zip in with ninja like stealth so they don't get in your way and they sort of duck under the seats. And nice. Yeah, they're really good. They're really good. And um, they've got a real strict policy about phones. Yeah. Um, and they say if you get your phone out in the cinema one morning and you're gone with no refund. That's nice. Yeah. Could do with that. Could do that, yeah. I know. I'm telling you. <laughs> so the emphasis is on making your cinema experience as, as sort of pleasurable as possible, really. Um, and it was funny because when the film started... The fucking dickhead girl next to us got her phone out. I was sitting there filming, waiting. And yeah, you could see what she was doing. She had Instagram open and she was filming, waiting for the title of the film to come up so she could say, This is the film I'm watching. Yeah, it doesn't come up till about 45 minutes in. She didn't realise. So you go. (laughs) It was just another case of those people who like go to things just to say they're at them rather than to rather than to enjoy them. So anyway, uh, I was like, I need to like tell the usherette. I need to I need to tell someone that this woman's got a phone out, but they spotted her straight away and like swooped in. And we're like, ma'am, you need to put your phone away, you know, all that. And she did, and then she behaved herself really yeah. well. So I got to see it in that environment, which was really, really amazing. Really loud, 
surround sound, it everything was cranked up. It made fat, wasn't it, really? So you might you might not have guessed what we're talking about, but um, if you listen to this podcast, then it's um, it's in the title, so you already know. <laughs> <laughs> we are reviewing, tonight we are reviewing the um, Nicolas Cage movie, Mandy. Before I carry on with this, if you happen to be in Liverpool uh, in um, the next few days, on Sunday the 14th of October, we're doing our very first live podcast, which um, I don't know about you, Jonathan, but I'm a little bit nervous about. Yeah. I'll, I'll have a few drinks first, it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I might bring a bottle of tequila or something. Ooh. We can Nicholas Cage it out. I think vodka. Oh, he does drink vodka and that, doesn't he? Yeah. Either way, um, so we're doing our first live podcast, and we are doing that at the. Um, it's called George Henry Lee's, and it's an abandoned department store in the middle of Liverpool city centre. And we are um, empty spaces cinema are going to be screening Theatre of Blood, which is the seventies classic horror starring Vincent Price, really camp, fun horror comedy, and they've invited us to do a live podcast. Chris Brown, who does the last horror podcast, not, not the one. one who beat Rihanna. <laughs> Uh, he is in charge of Empty Spaces Cinema so he invites us to do it and he will be guesting with us as well which is exciting is that our first guest? no we had um, our first ever episode oh yeah Stephen Blundell was on on our first episode 
Um, that doesn't count. It was so long ago. Yeah. And we're going to redo that episode anyway. <laughs> and we still need to... Uh, yeah, because I mentioned Wake and Fright and we still haven't really reviewed that, have we? Yeah, we need to do that. Yeah, it's our first live podcast. So far, the tickets are selling really well. There's nothing left, is there? I think there's like five left or something. I mean, you know, there are only five seats in the, in the cinema. <laughs> That'll be why. But you can... We haven't bought our tickets yet. We haven't, but will we get in? There's only one left. <laughs> what if we all buy one? <laughs> Shit. Didn't think this one through. <laughs> So to George Henry Lees, if you go on Twitter, if you find at Empty Spaces Cinema, you can go through that. It's also on WeGotTix.com, I think, or WeGotTickets, one or the other. And the tickets are like £5, £5.50 with a um, book of fee or £4 concession. I don't know what the concession is. Um, but anyway, tickets, there are still some tickets left. If you're in Liverpool, Sunday, 2pm, 14th of October, come along and see us and we promise not to be too jittery. <laughs> I, was gonna say, I thought you were going to say rude then I was like I can't promise that no <laughs> no that's not going to happen is it let's face it so back to the order of the night and that is Mandy I had a good feeling about this the minute people even mentioned it yeah I think you tell me about it yeah I was a big fan of the director's first film called uh, Beyond the Black Rainbow saw that last year sometime and I was a big fan of that it has a really Really distinct, like, unique style to it. Mm. And then when I saw his next film, it was going to be, like, a revenge thriller with Nicolas Cage in. And I was like, I don't like Nicolas Cage anyway. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, that, that's going to be good. I've got a good feeling about that. Before the film started, the Alamo Draft has put together, like, a, a, a montage of Nicolas Cage. <laughs> Amazing. Mental moments. Oh. And I was just gobsmacked <laughs> for, yeah. like, ten minutes. I was just like, I need to reevaluate my feelings toward this man. No, oh, I like him. Because when I think back, I loved him in Wild at Heart. Yeah. I loved him in Leaving Las Vegas. I can't actually think of anything else I've watched him in. Have you seen the Wicker Man remake? Well, no. And there were clips from that. There's loads. It's there, brilliant. There were clips from that, and I couldn't believe what I was watching. Yeah, it's so good. We, yeah. probably, should probably, we should probably review that. Yeah. I mean, we don't have to. Just go and watch it. Just tell, I'll tell you now. Just yeah, go watch it. I will. I will it's watch brilliant. it. brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> the clips that I saw were insane. Yeah. it's. He, I think he's got into a lot of uh, financial trouble recently so he basically can't turn down films yeah that's why he's in all like that left behind and just all kinds of shites to yeah. just go straight to netflix or you know i did see him in i just remembered i did see him in drive angry oh yeah and i like that that yeah. was quite fun he just like plays mental really well doesn't he yeah he does he's a it seems like he must be a strange person in real life i think yeah yeah. I think isn't his son like in a black metal band and he goes to his son's gigs and stuff. Does he really? Oh. That makes me <laughs> like him even more. So the premise of Mandy is it's set in nineteen eighty three. Yeah. Which I completely missed. And do you know why I missed it? Because I was looking at that girl's phone. <laughs> you were looking at someone else's I phone. I was looking at her phone. Not even your own phone. Fucking bitch. <laughs> I don't really think that's important though, is it? It doesn't to me it, yeah. the, the time doesn't really yeah. Affect the plot. Really. It doesn't affect the plot. And I, I, I do wonder why. I mean, there are probably theories out there on why it was set in. I think it's so they can, like, some of the horror references that pop up later, it's so that they kind of. It's more set in that era, then, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And the um, the one thing the one thing that mainly placed it in its time for me was the advert. Oh, Cheddar Goblin. Cheddar Goblin. amazing. Which we'll get to. <laughs> um, so set in 1983 and um, somewhere near the Shadow Mountains, we meet Red Miller, who is a logger, and we sort of come in on him like in his daily yeah, daily grind, don't we? And he clocks off and he goes back to uh, his girlfriend, who's called Mandy Bloom, and she is played by Andrea Riseborough. So, Madonna connection already. 
Yeah. <laughs> she plays Wallace Simpson in Madonna's film WE, <laughs> which was unfairly maligned. And she's a good actress. She's a good actress as well. Yeah, she's, she's really good, isn't she? He goes to he goes and stays with her. They live together in like a little cabin, don't they? Do you know where? Do you remember where it is? Crystal Lake. Oh yes, of course, <laughs> of course. I was like nudging Ben when they said Crystal Lake. Also, by the way, I went to see this with Ben, and um, it was a late showing, and I just thought he was going to hate it, and mm. he was like, I could see him shifting in his seat awkwardly throughout the first half an hour, and I thought, yeah. oh my god, I've dragged him to this mental film, and he's going to hate it. Mm. But by the end of it, he was like, no, I really liked it. Yeah, he says. I also feel like I've been run over. It does. It it definitely has that. It's like an assault on the senses. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, um, he goes. To, he goes back, and he's um. So they live together, and they live in like a little fantasy cabin down the middle yeah. of the woods. She works at a gas station. Yeah, it's like a little mini, like a Marcus, isn't it? Yeah, she's an artist as well, isn't she? Like at the spare time. Yeah, yeah, and she's sort of odd, isn't she? She's a bit gothy, and yeah. one of the things I really liked about the film was that she wasn't styled or designed or portrayed as what you would expect in one of these films. Yeah. Someone who's like a blonde bimboy victim. She didn't come no. across that way. They cast against that type, didn't they? Yeah. She's an attractive woman, but she's not like supermodel no perfect I plastic think, face looks. No, that I think that plays to the strength of it because that's part of the strength of the film is that you kind of they don't really give you that much about it and that's what's interesting. You wanna know more about it. This yeah. is the whole I know it's going off on a tangent already, but like she has a scar on the side, a scar, doesn't she on the side of her Which face? Which they never explain. Well, that's it. And then you're thinking, what you know, what is, where does it come from? What's yeah. the story about? Yeah. Because remember, there's one little scene. It's right at the very end, but it's not really spoiling that. Where you get a little flashback of the well, first time they, they meet, the first time they meet, and yeah. you're just like, that scene's amazing. Yeah, it's you beautiful. Just, but you, you want to know more? Yeah, totally. But it's not there. No, it's not there. But you can fill in those blanks, can't yeah. you? Um, so the, the story is actually really simple, isn't it? Yeah, it's very straightforward. You're like, at one point in the first half an hour, 45 minutes, you, you're all sorts of scratching your head thinking, what the fuck's going yeah, on? What's happening? And then you realise, now it's just a simple story. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. No, I think that, I, I think the first hour is just kind of giving you the, you know, it's setting the tone for the film. It's ch- yeah. letting you know what the film's about. Yeah. Who these people are. Yeah. So essentially, they live in this cabin she he, he's happy being a logger she's happy being an artist who in a in a convenience store cum gas station type thing and then one day uh, a van drives past yeah. and it's the children of the new dawn and they're like a hippie cult based on the, yeah. like the Mansons aren't they basically yeah it's de- well it's, I was going to say it's definitely based on Charles Manson yeah. isn't it and he takes one look at Mandy yeah so the guy who runs the place uh, the, the cult leader is Jeremiah Sand played by Linus Roach, which if you're a British listener, um, there's extra hilarity here <laughs> because he's Ken Barlow's son from Coronation Street. But he's also, what, what else has he done? Did you he's see? in uh, Batman Begins. He plays Thomas Wayne in Batman Begins. Okay, so he's, yeah. And he's in Bobbers, Bobbers, he's in something else, isn't he? He was in, the one film I know he was in was uh, the Jimmy McGovern movie from the 90s called Priest. Ah. Um, with um, he he plays a priest who's struggling with his sexuality. Yeah. And Robert Carlyle is the guy that he has sex with. It's filmed all around the Anglican Cathedral oh. in Liverpool. So I think isn't he? I think he's in Lord Norta. I think he's in one of the Lord Norta shows oh, as well. Yeah. The British one or the American? Uh, I think the possibly the American because I think after Batman Begins he had a little go at America because he was in Corrie as well. Yeah. Didn't he? he was in Coronation Street <laughs> from Corrie to Mandy. <laughs> with his dick out. <laughs> with his dick out. Um, That's in Mandy, not in Corrie. Yes, well. <laughs> Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> so Jeremiah takes one look at Mandy and he's like, I want her. I want yeah. her for my bride. It, but it almost implies that there's already a connection there because some of the conversation, I think the first time <clears> when they actually meet her, when they get her, the conversation is like, you don't re- I recognise you, but you don't recognise me. Yeah. And but soon enough you'll you'll remember who I am. But I wondered if that was a literal thing or if he just thought they were destined to be together. Yeah, possibly. Oh, but I didn't know which way to read it. Because there's, there's an interest. I think it might be that same scene. It might be the scene where he's got a dick out, in fact. <laughs> where they've drugged her. And it's... And everybody talks like this. Because <laughs> <laughs> it zooms in on his face. And then his face morphs into her into face. Her. And they, yeah. they'll overlay on each other. Yeah. They do look quite similar as well, which is weird. Yeah, I know what you mean. So I wondered if there was some sort of... Maybe the brother and sister. Yeah, maybe that, that. I was thinking that. Isn't it a shame his name is not Randy? <laughs> Randy Bloom. Yeah, they could have been Randy and Mandy, brother Randy. and sister. Well, separated at birth by the demon bikers. Yeah. Anyway, um, Jeremiah Sand, um, he orders one of his disciples to kidnap Mandy with the help of the Black Skulls. And we're like, who are the, who, who, who could the Black Skulls possibly be? So obviously the Black Skulls are a demonic biker gang. Yeah. Um, with a taste for human flesh and LSD, who you have to call by blowing into a horn. The horn of Abraxas. The horn of Abraxas, yes. <laughs> um, and then they will come and do your bidding if you give them a payment of flesh. Is that a, right? Yeah, a sacrifice. They sacrifice a fat kid. They sacrificed a fat kid. Did you notice something about what they did to the fat kid? <laughs> to be honest, I. Don't you just see it? it, it you got like a weird shot where he's just kind of in the light and then a hand just pulls him back into the darkness. Yeah. But, but that's the last time I noticed. Okay, well, we'll come back to that. Oh. Uh, <laughs> it's quite stirring. And um, so the Black Skulls uh, are, are brought in to kidnap Mandy and then they do. They attack Mandy and Red while they're sleeping in their little cabin of dreams. Yeah. And um, it's all very horrific. That scene's amazing though. Yeah. It's like, because a lot of this, it's... For a lot of these scenes, once the bikers start appearing, it's suddenly like monochrome, isn't it? Yeah. When, the, when they first appear, it's all just shades of red and, yeah. and black. And then when they actually break into the house, it's just, isn't like blue. You just get like blue yeah. flashes. It's like, like strobes, like, isn't like a, it? Like, yeah, like strobing. Yeah. So it's, I'd say, it's got a really great, like, aesthetic yeah. look to it. Yeah. Um. So then Mandy's kidnapped and she wakes up tied to the chair, doesn't she? Um in the kitchen with Mother Marlene and Sister Lucy. Now, Mother Marlene is played by, um, I think her name is Alwyn Fair. Mm. I'm not sure how you pronounce her surname. I just watched her in a film on the plane going to San Francisco (laughs) called Beast. Have you seen it? Have you heard about it? It's not a horror. It was set in Jersey. Mm. um, And it's about a young girl who falls in love with a, a like a, a roguish sort of drifter Jersey, as in America or Jersey no Jersey, Jersey on the island oh. yeah. and he's like a drifter he's like a charismatic uh, sort of traveller type mm. and um, you're wondering what his deal is and at the same time there's a serial killer in the village strangling girls so you wonder whether it's him the whole time that rings a bell actually and her mum is played by Geraldine James and and the, the police woman who, who's investigating is played by the woman who plays Mother Marlene in this film. It's weird that it's seen in two films in the space of like three days. Yeah, two obscure films. Yeah. Well, pretty obscure films. Yeah, but she's really a striker. She's got that big shock of white hair, hasn't she? She's really striking, but I'd recommend Beast. I think you'd like Mm. it. So, um, she's tied to the chair and they they, they get like a wasp or something. Yeah, they drug her, don't they? They give her her, uh, some of that LSD that I think they give to the biker gang, the last goals, and then she stings her with a wasp. 
But it comes to the, yeah. They get like a it's like a giant wasp out of a out of a jar, isn't it? Isn't the isn't the wasp in the jar of the of the liquid LSD? Probably is that yeah. Yeah, and that, that would make sense. And it stings it stings her. It's really awful. It's hideous, yeah. She wakes up and uh, she's drugged and everything's got this sort of weird sort of smudging effect, hasn't it? Yeah. There's like lots of auras around and everybody's talking like this. And it's so really there's a sim- same director does a similar sort of scene in That Beyond the Black Rainbow. It, I think he's definitely got a... He likes that kind of drugged out, trippy style. Yeah. And it's quite hard, isn't it? I mean, there are a lot of people, I think, who would get to this point in the film and turn it off. yeah. Possibly. I think I, I think when I, I just put a little review on Facebook when I first saw it and it's like I think the first hour it's very it's not slow it, well probably is but it's just deliberately paced it's yeah it's kind of done to wheeze out the people who, who aren't going to give it that attention yeah. you know what I mean yeah if you're the kind of person who can't not look at the phone for an hour yeah it's to weed you out basically yeah <laughs> definitely um so uh at the risk of sounding like a snob, but you know. I well, no, it's true though. It's yeah. true. I mean, if you you know, if, if watching a film is dying art. Yeah. It really is. It really is, and I'm guilty of it. Mm. Some days when I'll put a film on on you know at home, yeah. uh, and I will get my phone out because I'm in a I'm in a particularly distractible mood. Yeah. So it's you know I'm not saying I never do it, but um, when you do it to the detriment of not enjoying any films yeah. to the full capacity, then it's a bit sad, really. So Charles Manson style, yeah. Jeremiah Sand then tries to seduce Mandy with the aid of his own record. He's got like his weird seven. It's like a Star Trek dressing yeah, gown almost, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. It's brilliant with big shoulder pads. Yes, with nothing underneath. <laughs> no. And he says to it, if you, he says to it, do you like the Carpenters? As he gets like a twelve-inch <laughs> oh, yeah. record out. <laughs> and I must admit, I was really disappointed that he didn't play the Carpenters. <laughs> I was really expecting a Carpenters song. But he's like, if you like the Carpenters, you'll love this. This is even better. This is even better. And it's his own record. Yeah. Charles Manson style. Um, and it's like psychedelic, folky pop, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I think that that ties more, that ties into Manson even more, doesn't it? Because he, didn't he write songs for... Exactly. The, was the Monkees? Um, he wrote a song that one of them actually uh, recorded. Yeah. You can listen to a lot of Charles Manson's songs on, on YouTube. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's weird. Anyway, so he sings to her and thinks he's going to seduce her. And she basically, she's made of sterner stuff, really, isn't yeah. she? So even though she's drugged out and fucked up, yeah. she just starts laughing in his face. And then we think, oh, God, what's going to happen now? Yeah. Well, that apparently, well, that scene, some people online reckons it references uh, Blue Velvet, you know, where Dennis Hopper. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the, the exact line is, nobody shouting, don't you fucking look at me. Oh, yeah, he, he does. He's helped out at them. Yeah. And so, some people think, is it a reference to that? Could be. Possibly. Possibly. Well, Panos Cosmatos, is that how you say his name? Yeah. He's clearly watched a lot of David Lynch. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely, <laughs> yeah. definitely in there. I think Lynch and Jodorowsky as well. There's definitely yeah. Big, yeah. big hints of both of them. Also, a big shout out to Elijah Wood for producing this film. Yeah, well, I think he's one of the... People high up at Spectre Vision. He's got that's his production company. He's got such a interesting eye, hasn't he? The Greasy Strangler and this. Yeah, good for him. Love yeah. him. Love him. That's two, that's two of the best films out in the past ten yeah. years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we saw the trailer for the follow up to the Greasy Strangler. It just looks like a clean version of the Greasy Strangler. Yeah, out uh, even with, with Beverly Loughlin, is it? It's got uh, Matt Berrien, hasn't it? Yeah, it's got it's got famous people in it. Yeah. Like, hmm. Don't know what I don't know how I feel. Yeah, Aubrey Plaza is a bit. Yeah. Bit mainstream, supposedly. Yeah, not that we're snobs. Um, so <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll still watch it. I'll still want to see it. 
You and that ugly little whore. You think you're so... in love? I'll show you love. Lucy? Neil. that first half an hour I was like where's Nicolas Cage yeah so basically it's like after this scene it becomes Nicolas Cage's film it, it is almost like like oh, I think almost exactly the hour mark it, yeah he, he appears and it's like yeah. the first hour is about Mandy and the second hour is yeah about Red yeah and it's like if so if you're watching this film wondering where your Cage fix is coming from just wait until yeah because it comes the whole last hour of the film it's basically. just like yeah yeah um so, we then cut to Red, who wakes up tied to a fence by with barbed wire. Yeah, he's chained up with barbed wire. wire. Um, and a really awful death scene, which is really clever. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's really clever because it's not gory. It's not no graphic in a way. It's like everything it's, it's you think just, you see is implied. Really, it's just disturbing, isn't it? It's really especially disturbing. well the actual. It's, I think it's still yeah. almost like you're expecting a bait and switch because you know you don't actually see it, do you? Just, no. Do you bring out a bag? Yeah. And yeah. Spoiler. They just set fire to the bag. But you know it's a revenge film, so yeah, yeah. There'd be no revenge if you didn't get killed. Yeah. So spoiler alert: Mandy dies. Um, yeah. She is dragged out in a bag, as Jonathan was saying, and they string her up to a tree and cover her in petrol and, and set fire set to her the light. Also, Manson style. He Jeremiah doesn't do any of it, does he? No, no, he gets them to do it. He gets them to do it. He even gets the girl sister Lucy to stab Red. Yeah. He doesn't even do that. And yeah. then spoiler at the end when Red confronts him, he's completely fucking useless. Mm. I've thought that was really cool. Yeah, he was like completely useless. He's like, I'll suck your dick. And all that. <laughs> I'll suck he's your completely dick, useless. Yeah. So he needs everyone else to do his dirty work yeah. for him, doesn't he? Um, Mandy's burned alive in front of Red. He gives her a gun, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. says like oh, you don't know what love is this is yeah. what real love is and gives it a revolver with one bullet in yeah. and she just pulls the trigger yeah and then yeah. it's like yeah to show how much control he's got over these basically, people basically yeah yeah then he gets Lucy to stab him and then it's with like a magic magic dagger they, yes. give, it some, they give it some weird yeah. names don't they I think that's referencing because Amandi's reading like a fantasy book isn't she and it's all about like the, the mystical stone of fucking whatever yeah <laughs> Yeah, Red is left tied up with barbed wire. So it's one of the first really gory moments, isn't it, where he, he has to rip his hand down with the barbed oh, wire. Yeah. Um, Red, while he's watching the burning, this was like the first sort of sucker punch for me because I thought it's not just a silly film. No. Because it is very silly. But it's quite moving. Mm-hmm. I thought it was moving. I thought his performance was amazing. Yeah. I thought the music was amazing. Oh, the music's brilliant. I think there's a massive heart in every aspect of the, the way this film's been made, mm-hmm. which is what its success is. It's not just a shallow kind of 
pretty looking no, arty not. film. There's a lot of heart gone into it. Dark heart as well, but there's a lot of heart there. Um, so Red uh, gets himself free, goes absolutely mental. Um, is that when he has like a cartoon, his first cartoon dream? No, well, I think do we get the scene first where he looks at the the ashes, or is that afterwards? No, he gets the ashes, yeah. Because he, yeah. he looks at the ashes, doesn't he? And the ashes are still in the shape of her face. Yeah, and then they blow away. And then the wind blows, and then yeah. it just blows. Oh, it's, it's, yeah. so, it's brilliant. It's yeah. awful, awful, but brilliant. Yeah, it's great. Um, and then he goes, but I don't think you haven't realised up until this point, have you? But when he goes inside, he's got no pants on, has he? He's just no. got his top on and on. No, no. And, um, and it's not until he walks into his own bathroom that you yeah. see that he's got no pants yeah. on. And at that point, Ben did lean over to me and say, there's quite a lot in those pants, isn't there? <laughs> so um, we admire your balls, Nicolas Cage, in many, many levels. Um, so he goes into the he goes into the bathroom, doesn't he, in his pants, and he, like, downs a bottle of vodka. <laughs> and there's just this amazing scene where you just don't know whether to laugh or cry because he's, like, completely down on the vodka and then screaming. Screams, the and then downs the vodka, good. then screams, then downs the vodka and screams. And it's it's like the it's like the playing out his grief in one scene, really. Yeah. It's like he's going through it all in this sort of visceral, sort of gut-wrenching, yeah. raw scene, which made people laugh. Yeah. Because you don't know what to do, really, when you see a scene like that. You don't no. know what to... People were, like, hooting and hollering no. <laughs> in the audience. So the audience... So, by the way, the audience wasn't massive in the screen. It was on an, It was on over a few nights at the Alamo Draft House. There were only about 30 of us in there. It was only a small screen, because yeah. the, the screens are quite small. The screen itself is massive, but the theatres are quite small, because yeah. they make room for your table. For your do, you, um, what, do you have to pay a premium for that quality, do you? Or is it, was it quite expensive or not? $15. That's not too bad. So it's the same as going yeah, to the same to go to... Somewhere, yeah. somewhere she is here. It's a tenner, yeah. isn't it? You know, $15 was fine. Um, so people were sort of cheering and screaming because yeah. we were finally getting the big Nicolas Cage moments, like the, the you know, the overacting yeah. and, the, and all that. Although I'm not too sure, you know, I, I'm not too sure whether it was overacting because I really felt what yeah. the character was going through. Yeah. I think in other stuff he overacts, but when he's given the chance to actually act, I think that's when he shines, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, he'll do the Wicker Man remake for, you know, for, for the money and just fucking whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not asked, I'm in it. I'm getting paid. So off he goes. On his revenge. On his revenge mission. But he sees the, he sees the Cheddar Goblin first, doesn't he? Is this the moment when he sees the it's Cheddar Goblin? It's when he walks out the bathroom. He sees oh, yeah. the Cheddar Goblin. So the Cheddar Goblin is an advert on telly. For, it's a, was it macaroni and cheese? Macaroni and cheese for kids. <laughs> With this really disturbing gremlin goblin yeah. thing. <laughs> Um, but it's so convincing. Yeah, it's like an eighties. Yeah, just like an eighties. Like it almost looks like a like a Boglin. Remember those little toys, Boglins? Yeah. It looks like one of those. Yeah, or one of the Ghoulies. Remember the Ghoulies? Ghoulies? Yeah. He's at, he's got his own Twitter as well. The Cheddar Goblin. You can follow the oh, Cheddar Goblin. Right, so we'd be looking that up as a matter of priority. So we me and Ben did both like wonder for a minute. We were looking at each other, thinking, "Is that so, is this real?" Or yeah. obviously it's not. Um, so he sees that. Um, I think it's kind of like. And it's oh, it's it's in a way it's almost like it's it's a little sucker punch in itself. In the you've just been through this traumatic horrible. The person you love died, but fucking like you know the world still goes on. You still get adverts for shitty stupid things on the telly. Consumerism continues. Yeah, that the way the world goes on, people still buy. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter what you're going through. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> so it's just a kick in the dick. <laughs> kick in the dick. Um, so off he goes on his mission and he goes to see his mate Carruthers Carruthers it's Bill Duke isn't it Bill Duke what's Bill Duke how's on Predator how's that what he was in right he's famous for right yeah yeah, yeah. 
Commandos well. He's a lot of Arnie, a lot of 80s action films. I, I recognise his face. I probably know him. I've seen him younger, haven't I? Yeah. Because those films dominate as my childhood, thanks to having a big brother. Um, so he goes to see Carruthers, who gives him um, gives him a crossbow, yeah. which is called the Reaper. The Reaper. And then he gives him information on the Black Skulls. Yeah. So do we think that this is true, or this is just how people pass off the fact that there are demons in the world? I think the whole second half of the film, once they both take drugs, because uh, doesn't Nicolas Cage take, he finds some of the drugs in his house, doesn't he? He does eventually, And yeah. takes them. Yeah. So you're thinking, after this point, you have, you know, should how much should we trust the narrative, you know? How much of it is unreliable? So, they could just be bikers, or they could be demons. Either, either yeah. one would work, really, because if they were just bikers, why would this whole magic horn yeah. work to summon them? Yeah. Uh, so the mythology behind it is that they they were normal men, yeah, well, they were just crazy bikers, bikers, crazy bikers who went on a trip and never came back. Basically, yeah, it took like really strong LSD. Their chemist, they did something in the year. They messed with the wrong person so yeah. their chemist gave them like a really bad dose and just totally fucked them up yeah. but yeah. the look of them is amazing they're almost like Cenobites aren't they it's like Cenobites and the sound of them as well one of them when they try and when they talk it's like it's like it sounds like it's coming through. it's like yeah. it's really guttural it's yeah. like it's like it's like body function noises yeah. rather than a voice it's like a really horrible almost industrial in some point yeah. in some moments sound Um. And it reminds me of there's a myth about a guy that me and Ben know. Hmm. He was like a guy on the gay scene, or a name. <laughs> on the gay scene who's like crazy. Hmm. He's amazing. He's like a force of nature. And you can see him dancing around. He, you can see him walking around, the, walking down the, the, the most dangerous streets in the full eight in a tutu with hmm. a ghetto blaster on his shoulder. Um, and he regularly will come into a club, pirouette around the dance floor in tights and then leave. Yeah. And the story with him is that he has a strip of LSD, mm. and ha- and the police nearly caught him, so he slipped it down his down his sock, mm. and his his body absorbed a whole strip of LSD, <laughs> and it, it basically broke his brain, and that's yeah. that's what he's become ever since. I don't know if that's true, um, but that's what the, <laughs> these guys made me think of. Yeah, well, that's it. Well, they basically well this LSD that Nicholas Cage takes a little yeah dab of yeah. He just he just downs it, doesn't he? When he gives him the jar. Yeah, exactly. What happens to the other kids? You said you were saying before. So then, so then he goes, he goes looking for the bikers, doesn't he? So yeah. he goes to the first place. Is that right? So as he goes into the house, so the house is like a crack den, isn't it? Mm. So he goes to the first of the black skulls. This, this, so we have like we we now have like a um. Oh no, he's following them, isn't it? Because he sees them. Yeah. Yeah. Because Bill Duke, tell, Carruthers, sorry, tells them where these where they've been spotted. That's right. Yeah, they were following some crazy Christian fucks. Yeah. So he's spying on them, isn't he? So as he's as he sees the black skulls, he shoots one of them in the crossbow. Yeah. And knocks off his bike, and yeah. then he runs him over. Yeah. And but like it. he tries to run him over and doesn't like destroy the car instead. Yeah. Well, again, <laughs> so that makes me think maybe they are demons. Then yeah. If it's, that's true. Because if he's that powerful that you know the fucking truck, he knocks the truck over. Yeah. Because he wakes up in the in. Like a house, doesn't he? He wakes up in a house and it's like squalid crack down, isn't yeah. it? And there are moments in that where, he, where the horror, the fantasy horror has got a realism to it because it looks like an actual fucking yeah. crack down, doesn't it? So he goes up the stairs and he walks past one of the bedrooms and that boy, the fat boy who was kidnapped, mm. is in there. Ah. But he's got blood all over his ass. Yeah. Well, yeah, we, we know why now, don't we? Yeah. So he's got blood all over his ass and then it cuts to the demon who kidnapped him who's got like a fucking 20 inch sword for a dick watching porn watching porn (laughs) 80s porn watching 80s porn 
And there's something so disturbing about that that yeah. image, that sort of the penis as a weapon type yeah. thing. So then becomes the first, that's the first sort of showdown, isn't it? Yeah, well he throws one down a hole, doesn't he? But then he yeah. does come back. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Because he's 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 twisting the pipe, isn't he? He's, he's handcuffed to a pipe that's and right, he's yeah. he's trying to keep him talking while he's twi- untwisting this pipe. Yeah, yeah. And he just knocks him over. Yeah. That's a great shot you see it from above, don't you? And yeah. he just throws him down into the blackness. Yeah. Because you don't see the hole before he throws him down. No, no, you don't know. He's just on a kind of grid, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, and you don't realise that he's like on the on the brink of a hole. So then, yeah, down. he fights. Then he fights the other guy. Yeah. Um. There's lots of blood. It's just yeah. so gory, isn't well, it? Well, even I think what's on the telly is kind of a clue for that because when he's like the blood just squirts all over his face, yeah. doesn't it? And he's like, mm. there's a very sexual element to it. Yeah. Which again takes it back to Hellraiser. Yeah. For me. The Cenobites have all got yeah, a very yeah, sexual... Yeah, that's, that's it, I was saying. It's like, they do kind of have that Cenobite vibe to them, I think. Yeah. The demons. Yeah. So after he goes to all the sort of fighting off the bikers and killing them all off in various gory manners, gory ways, he then finds the jar of LSD, mm. takes a little dab of it on his tongue, doesn't he? And he gets a vision of the, the chemist, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. We get a hint, don't we, of the, ma- the madness that the bikers must mm. live, basically. Um, just in one shot so then he goes to find the chemist who um, is in like a radio tower yeah he's got a tiger he's got a tiger in the cage and is the chemist always tripping as well he must be he's, he's, the he's, doing, he's doing the liquid LSD with no gloves on yeah. he's, he's, he's gonna be fucking and when he looks at him he sees all worms around his feet yeah. doesn't he um, so he basically tells Red where the children of the new dawn have gone yeah. so again it's a simple story yeah because he says he can tell that, you know, they've, they've wronged them. And... Yeah, yeah. Um, so he goes after them, kills them all off one by one. There's an amazing chainsaw fight. Yeah. Chainsaw duel, it's amazing. He makes his own axe. Oh, yeah, he forges it yeah. out of what? <laughs> yeah. So again, we get these hints, don't we, at Red's past? We got it, these yeah. hints of the sort of weapon, the arsenal of weapons and the. Mm. the dodgy contact to get him a crossbow and yeah. all this sort of stuff. So we get into it that he's got some sort of mm. crazy past. Um, and given the time, 83, are we thinking he's like ex-Vietnam? Possibly, yeah, because he's probably in, what, in his 40s. Mm. There, so maybe in, in the 60s, he would have been in his 20s. Yeah. So possibly. Yeah. Um, or it might not even matter. <laughs> Well, it doesn't matter, no, but, but I think what we what we tend to do is just yeah. try and piece things together so yeah. when, when we're left. And that's part of the fun of this film as well. Yeah. It does leave things open to you to sort of interpret the way you want to do it. Um, he kills them all off one by one, um, and although he spares Sister Lucy. Yeah, because I think he kind of, he, t- he can tell that she's not really, she's not really evil, she's not into it, is she, you know what I mean? She's yeah. just... Well, she did stab him. yeah. Under duress, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Um, and then he finds this amazing church, doesn't he? Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, which reminds me of something else. And Ben said he'd seen it before somewhere as well, some architectural thing. It looks a bit like the actual, do you still have wooden churches in Norway? And this, I'll come back to it in a bit, but it's kind of what the film reminds me of and what <coughs> I think it's about, well, partly. It looks like do you still have these old Norwegian wooden churches that have got burnt down. Ah, uh, right, okay. <laughs> And it looks like one of those. Right. And I think that's what that's what it references a little bit. Cool. Um, so he finds Jeremiah Sand finally. But he meets mother. Ma- mother Marley and cuts her head off. Yeah, but you don't see it. It's no. brilliant the way it's done. It's yeah. like you think, oh, as he spared her. Yeah. And then the next scene is 
Jeremiah's waiting just yeah. in his little den. Yeah. And then a head just flies into the room. It's funny, isn't it, that they both try and seduce him to get the life spares because she, yeah. she tells him that she's like the greatest lover in the world. And yeah. then, so Jeremiah stands, so you're expecting a big showdown, aren't you, really? Because he's the villain. Yeah. But he is true to character. He's pathetic and weasley and mm. basically just says, you know, I'll do it. I'll suck your dick. I'll do whatever. Yeah. Please don't kill me. Even that's very sexual, isn't it? It's like when he's when he's actually crushed his head, it's it's orgasmic. Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. His eye just his eyes pop out and his head just. Yeah, yeah, and then um, and that's the end of the story. He yeah. he essentially gets revenge, and that's it. So yeah. that's the story. Is um, his lover is killed. He goes for, he goes to get revenge. Go nuts, yeah. He gets revenge, yeah. and that's it. The style of it, that the ending of it is like he drives off into the middle of hell or something, isn't it? Yeah. It's like. Well, the talk, there's a talk, isn't it? They're, they're having a conversation early on in the film. We're talking about the favourite planets. Yeah. And I think it's meant to be Jupiter up yeah. in the sky, isn't it, as yeah. he's driving off. So are we supposed to believe that he's sort of descended into hell or are we supposed to believe that he's he's lost himself in these sort of LSD? Yeah. Or he's just lost himself to madness with grief? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know because I, cause we had, I had this conversation with Ben after the film and he was asking all these questions and I... Yeah. What I thought was, we were never in a real world anyway. No. It was always fantastical yeah, from the that's beginning. It. That's, it's always... And the stuff in the, like, the cabin, when they're in the cabin, it's like a fairy tale and there's like lots of it's balloons. Yeah, it's like stars almost. It's like, yeah. you look out the window and it's like, just somehow there's like no walls, is there? You yeah. can see out into the forest. It's like blues and yeah. pinks and like fluffy colours. And then the more the threat gets closer, there's more red yeah. and darks and blacks and all that sort of stuff. So by the end of it, it's just a fucking hodgepodge of fiery colours, yeah. isn't it? You know, it's like his revenge has sort of become the world that he's that Cause, he's inhabiting. Because his last, the last scene is just it's just him sitting in the car, isn't it? And he looks over, and then he sees Mandy, and then he remembers the first time he met, which was the scene that we were talking about yeah. before. Yeah. And he, but he's just got like a big stupid grin on his face. That, that grin made people laugh. And I must say that every time he got revenge on somebody, the whole audience like cheered. Yeah. Did the chainsaw fight brilliant? Because he doesn't. He knocks him, he throws the chainsaw on the floor, doesn't he? And then he pulls him over onto the chainsaw and then the blood yeah. just can't, like, yeah. pushes Carly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I came out with a feeling quite, like, Ben says he felt like he'd been run over. I felt, like, quite invigorated by the whole thing. I was just like, wow, that was that was yeah. a really visceral experience. And I found a lot of it quite moving. I thought the stuff, that scene especially, where it cuts back to the meeting yeah. for the first time. It's like, that's the... It's almost like the end of Irreversible, where, you know, Irreversible, where yeah. the last scene of the film is just, like, them meeting for the yeah. first time, and it's really sweet, and your stuff, and you're like... It's harder on the audience, yeah, yeah, isn't it, than going the other way around, because you sort of see what could have been, and you mm. see, you know, the destruction that happens to these people at the point that they're yeah. meeting each other. It is quite hard, isn't it? There's an, there was another little scene as well that made me think, that, that made me, like, re, rethink what it was about. It's, like, it's, it's probably not... It's probably not connected, but... Near the start, he flicks his, he goes outside for a cigarette, doesn't he? Yeah. And he flicks, he takes like one dragon and flicks it away. But then, after he kills the, was the third or fourth demon, isn't it? Yeah. He chops his head off and sets it on fire, and then he picks up a half, right. half finished cigarette off the floor and lights it. So, but head. that's just that's just outside his house. So if all this is just happening, this is all this just in his head, and he's just in his house going mad. Yeah, and the, I because the, the focus on the cigarette specifically and picking it up. Uh, so I'm thinking, is that 
it's that letting you know that he's just in his house yeah. where he's flicked his cigarette away. And also, he gets stabbed pretty deep. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's dead. Maybe. Did he die? Because you never see him tend to that wound. It's like a Jacob's Ladder thing, isn't it? This is, this yeah. is him. This is his dying hallucination. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah. Because I did wonder, did he die in a hallucinatory or did he die and he's become a ghost? Like a, like a, a vengeance spirit yeah. type thing? Because... That's a deep stab, yeah. would, and he's left there for ages, so he will bleed to death. Yeah, and you never see him. So maybe they both die at like an hour into the film, and this is just his. Yeah, like what other films like that? Uh, American Beauty. In the start, right, yeah. it's yeah. just Kevin Spacey getting shot, isn't it? Yeah. And then this is all like his flashback to his life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that, I mean, uh, yeah, I came away from an invigorated. I thought it was a ballsy, over the top really beautiful film yeah um challenging yeah definitely challenging not so much all the revenge stuff that's all easy but the beginning is quite challenging yeah it's, it's the actual the filmmaking yeah. aspect of it is probably most challenging because people as i think as we were talking about last time it's like people don't really like to watch films like that anymore mm. do they they don't they don't want to have to concentrate and they no. don't want to have to be they don't want to be challenged in a no. way i mean a lot of people do but there's a lot of people out there that don't yeah. um and that's possibly what's keeping it away from the big screens in the uk yeah. if you put this on the odeon and you know full of you know loads of millennials probably yeah. no don't want to slag them all off but you know yeah. yeah that kind of person went to see this film i don't think they'd get much out of it yeah yeah um, so yeah stick with it if you start watching and think what the hell is going on it's mm. actually just dead simple just stick with it it's, the, it's a simple story told in a in a um, in an exciting unusual way I think um, the style is the substance in a way yeah, but yeah that's not to say that there's no other substance but well, the style there's a lot of substance and, yeah. there's a lot of substance because I think as I said before I think it's full of heart and I think it's really really moving I think Cage's yeah. performance is fabulous um and you are with him throughout it. You yeah. want him to fucking kill them in as horrible a way as possible. Yeah. It chooses its deaths quite wisely as well because Mandy, you don't see her burn to death. You don't see like a gruesome no makeup effect of her dying. Um, Mother Marlene, you don't see her die. No. And the, the 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 villain Jeremiah Sand, his death you could say compared to the deaths of the bikers is underwhelming, but but it's truthful to what those char- to those yeah. characters in a way. I think it's the only one one of those that get. The like the the fellow with the mullet gets the axe in his head, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. I would just say go in with an open mind and expect the usual Nicholas Cage mentalness, but yeah. I think expect a bit more with it as well. Yeah, expect to be challenged but be open to it. Yeah. I'd have to say it's probably the best film I've seen this year. Yeah. 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 But it's my pick for film of the year anyway. Oh, okay, we've still we've still got two months left, but still got Halloween and Suspiria to go. Yeah, Halloween and Suspiria. If you get the chance to see it on the big screen, go and see it. I'm com- honest, I want to see it on the big screen because yeah. I've only seen it on the small screen. So. Yeah, it's coming out. I, I think it's coming out soon. I've just pre-ordered the American Blu-ray that's out on Halloween, um, and I can't wait to watch it on on um, on my because I've got quite a big telly and a good surround sound system. But the sound is is yeah. key in this film. I think the actor, the guy that the music died. I think if you see the end of the film, it says dedicated to Jonas Johansson. So he did the soundtrack and and it's like a tribute to him oh. well let's hope he has a big massive trip at the end like Nicholas Cage does in this oh. film bless him but yeah well thanks for the thanks for the music Mr Johansson because I've actually downloaded the soundtrack yeah, the music. I've been listening to the, the you know the um, the love theme and stuff when I've been chilling out but yeah great film I heartily recommend it I think the other Jonathan does too yeah well, thanks for listening anyway uh, we are brought to you in um, Holy Matrim- Unholy Matrimony with Britpod scene <laughs> we've got their ring on our finger and we're not letting them go um, if you are interested in hearing some more um, entertainment-based 
independent British podcasts, then give them a listen. Go to Britpod Scene on on Twitter, and you'll see the sort of the list of um, the roll call of podcasts mm. that they support, and we're one of them, for better or worse. So thank you for listening, and we will be back online in a couple of weeks. Ciao. Yeah.